Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Good morning, everyone. This is the last week of our uh, radical year theme, and so the one church, one message. Uh, I'm preaching all the masses this week to kind of wrap some things up here. This radical year, meaning not extreme, but roots, being rooted in God. We wanted January here at St. Basil's to have a focus so that we could begin 2021 completely dusting off the challenges of 2020 by really reconnecting with God and by being so rooted in Him that no matter what happens in my life or yours in this year, His grace, His love, His vision, His plan would still pour into you and you'd be able to grow more and more into Jesus. So the very first week, I preached all the masses, talking about if you're going to find roots, you got to bend down. They're in the dirt. And so you've got to get low, which means we've got to descend into our humanity. The first move is not to be impressive with ideas and plans, but rather to be in touch with the places where we feel so small, so dependent, so poor. And to realize in these very vulnerable places, the God of the universe who became very small at Christmas is waiting for us there. The second week, Father John preached about the grace of the sacraments. And just as Jesus was a physical presence in a particular place at a particular time, so too does the grace and love and power of God meet us here at a particular place at a particular time in a physical way the sacraments of the church. And that's how, just as roots nourish us, God nourishes us with the beauty of his own life. Then I spoke about how roots take time to grow. And we talked about infinite beauty and how we desire this infinite, beautiful, meaningful life, and yet the life we experience often has a big gap. And Jesus, under the title of Messiah or Christ, comes to close the gap. And he does that by saying, I am the way. So the more deeply we are in union with Jesus, the more assured we are of growing in this world along the way that leads us to the infinite fulfillment of all of our desires. Last week, Father John talked about if you want roots to grow, sometimes you got to uproot certain things. And so uprooting in our lives and church and culture, all the ways where we disregard the most vulnerable human lives, uprooting that way of thinking So allowing all of the goodness in God's plan for the sacredness of life to grow. And now we're at this week. And this week what I want to say is that if we want to be rooted in God, we have to share in God's vision. We have to share in God's view of the world, which is to say a biblical worldview. Last week, Pope Francis celebrated and named the third Sunday of every year of ordinary time, Scripture Sunday or I've been calling it Bible Sunday. You see, the Bible is meant to have a particular effect on you and me. Pope Francis wants us to read the stories again, understand the teachings, wrestle with them, mull on them, learn to pray with Scripture. But the effect Scripture is meant to have is meant to be an apocalyptic effect. Now that word conjures up for us a lot of violent images, but that's not what the word means. The word apocalypse simply means in Greek, an unveiling. In Latin, it's called revelation. 
In fact, I remember my grandfather on my maternal side, we found his Bible after he died, which was a family Bible. And the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelations, in this old Bible was called the book of the apocalypse, simply meaning the book of unveiling. The Bible is meant to unveil things for us so we can see the fullness of reality. Without the Bible, without the church teachings, we only see partially. We need this unveiling, this revelation. An analogy can help here. Why don't you imagine that I put you all on a big plane and we flew over to Rome and take you into the Sistine Chapel. And before you go in, I take a necktie and I tie it around your eyes like a blindfold. And you walk in and because it's a necktie, it doesn't really blindfold everything. So you start looking around and you can tell you're in a big place. You might even be able to tell a little bit that it's kind of a sacred place. You don't exactly know the figures, but you know there's some sort of beautiful art. It looks kind of like human beings on the back wall known as the Last Judgment. But you're not exactly sure what you're seeing. But enough to know you're in a sacred place. There's beautiful art. But it's not very clear. That's what life is like without the revelation or the unveiling of God. We have certain understandings of marriage, love, life, politics, money, sexuality, evil. But it's kind of opaque. How does it all go together? What's the point? Where is it leading us? What's the meaning of it all? It stays veiled. And so scriptures, when we enter into the Bible, are meant to take the blindfold off so we can see with God's own eyes. How is he seeing these human realities that we're facing? In particularly, evil. Why is evil so important? Well, I think you and I tend to think evil is simply human beings doing bad things. And that certainly is a big part of it. But the Bible reveals something so much more is going on. In this week's gospel, it's the gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 1, and we hear Jesus' first ministry. All the things he could have done in his first ministry. The first thing he does is he confronts demons. There's a man in the synagogue with unclean spirits. Demons are in him. This is the first thing he does. What is the gospel of Mark trying to tell us? What are we trying to be, what's trying to be unveiled, revealed to us? Well, chapter one is kind of loaded from the gospel of Mark, but it begins with his baptism. So we know that Jesus is the one sent by God into this world to close the gap, as I was preaching a few weeks ago. Second thing we see is the very second paragraph. He's in the desert alone fighting the devil through the temptations. Why so quickly with devils and demons? We're getting there. What's the third chapter? Third chapter, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he calls followers. Because this isn't just a solo mission for Jesus. He's inaugurating it, but he's inviting followers to carry this mission on. And now we confront the synagogue where there's a demon. It's because the kingdom of God is entering a world where there is already another kingdom. The kingdom of the devil. Now, lest you and I still think of horns and pitchforks and tails, right? which tends to be rather jokey 
and not real. We need to kind of grow, mature, take the blindfold off to see what has the Bible taught us about this topic. Well, beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates the... We're not going to do the whole Bible, don't worry. But (laughs) Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God creates everything and it's beautiful. Imagine in a world where there's no pain, regret, fear, meaninglessness, no sadness, no things like depression, anxiety, addictions, no divorce. Everyone is seen, known, and loved. All of creation is teeming with beauty, and you can see it all, and you're moved to praise and glory of the God who made it all. So, if that's true, we can ask very, very clearly, then why is everything so screwed up? Genesis chapter 3, we see that not simply Adam and Eve sinned, Adam and Eve were attacked by the serpent. He lied to them and said, this God that you're trusting in being so good, he's actually holding out on you. He doesn't love you like a good father. He wants you to be his little minions that he pushes around and tells you what to do. You got to go out and get yours. And they eat the forbidden fruit and things like war, division, anger, unforgiveness, pride, envy, lust, greed, you name them. They start growing all throughout all of creation. So it goes on. The Gospel of John, what does Jesus say? He says, I have come to cast war against the ruler of this world. You realize there's a ruler of this world. He says, Jesus is the father of lies. Jesus says, Satan is the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. St. Paul writes to the early Christians in in his letters to the Ephesians, talking about Satan, the prince of the power of the air, meaning of the time period we're in, the prince, the ruler of this. The first pope, St. Peter, writes in his letters in the New Testament, the devil prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. St. John, the beloved disciple, writes, the whole world is in the power of the evil one. The book of Revelations, we hear the great dragon called the devil is cast down to earth. If we're going to have an apocalyptic worldview, one where we take the blindfold off and things begin to make sense and we understand what God is doing, why things are so screwed up, where our hope resides, and why things are happening the way they are oftentimes in our lives, we need to understand what is our belief, relationship, properly understood to Satan? What is our understanding of this? Psychological only? Ancient symbol? Or reality independent of our minds and wills, quite literally hell-bent against us? Why? Why does the devil hate us so much? Well, it says in the book of Wisdom, death entered the world because of the envy of the devil. The devil is envious of who? Not God. God is infinite. You can't be God, so you can't be envious of him. He is envious of you and me. Did you know that? That the devil, the prince of this world, the ruler of this world, 
is envious of you because he knows that when you are united to Christ, you are given the hope to share one day in the infinite joy, ecstasy, and beauty of the Holy Trinity known as God. You have the power, because of Jesus repenting in the sacraments, you have the power to become like God's. If you think that's crazy, in the New Testament, St. Peter says, you will be partakers of divine nature. The early church didn't have Twitter, but they still were pretty pithy. And they had to come up with a way to pass on Christianity. And it was not just do good to those in need. They did, but that wasn't the central theme. The central theme was this. God became a son of man. So the sons and daughters of man could become sons and daughters of God. Another saint says this, God became man so man could become God. The devil sees this and is envious that we get to have our wildest dreams and desires not only fulfilled, but fulfilled beyond what we could ever ask for or imagine because of Jesus Christ. So now let's go to the Gospel of Mark real quick. Let's get back into it. Why does the first chapter of Mark have Jesus confronting demons so quickly? Because that is what is keeping us from the beauty and fullness of God's plan. Yes, sins. Yes, brokenness. But a lot of philosophers could reflect it on us being unethical. What needed to be unveiled or revealed was that there are powers against us. So often, don't we just think that's just another broken marriage? So often, don't we think, well, that person just has an addiction? So often, don't we think that we're just battling negative thoughts? We just got to kind of work through it. So often, don't we think, well, that's just a corrupt politics or government? And it's true. On a human level, there is those dynamics. But it's not either or. It can be both and. And once you have the biblical effect pour over you, you start to ask questions like, I I wonder if this person needs prayers and fasting for them, which is what all the saints have done for 2,000 years. So lest I leave you without any really important truth on how to combat the devil, let me say a few things. Otherwise, it's a homily on despair, and we don't want that. First thing is this. Devil's greatest lie is he doesn't exist. We'll reduce everything to solely psychological, sociological, political issues. Those are real dynamics. They aren't the only ones. First lie, he doesn't exist. Second lie is he's way more powerful than he is. Jesus Christ is the infinite God. The devil is a creature that God made who rebelled. He's a creature. I was really blessed for five years to have a spiritual father who was the chief exorcist in the United States. He was Mother Teresa's spiritual director, and St. Padre Pio was his. And he goes around telling people that he got to be my spiritual director. I'm just kidding. He doesn't tell anyone that he got to be <laughs> He doesn't talk about me at all, I don't think. But And he gave this analogy to me one time about the devil. He said, Ryan, we're little gnats. That's how small we are. We're little bugs. 
you look at the vastness of the Milky Way and the galaxy, we're little, little bugs. He says, the devil is a horsefly. He can destroy us. He said, but God is the sun. God is so much bigger than the horsefly who just gets burned up. It's not hard work for Jesus to defeat the enemy. It's sometimes hard work for us to admit that something might be going on in us, in relationships, in things going on that aren't simply the PC way of talking of just people doing bad things. That there really might be an enemy and he really might be wanting to rob us of the mercy and power and love of Jesus. So if you want to have this radical year, you want to be rooted in the real God. You want to be rooted in real Catholicism. You want to be rooted in a biblical worldview. Spend some time saying, what do you believe about the devil? Do you relegate him only to extreme possession? The Bible is clear. He's looking for anyone. Jesus came to save us from the enemy. It's the number one thing he came to do, to destroy the works of the devil, it says in John's writings in the Bible. What did Jesus come to do? came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, if we don't think there is a devil, it makes no sense that in the Gospel of Mark, the kingdom of God has to confront immediately the kingdom of darkness. And then we get to decide which kingdom do we want to live in. In the baptisms, cute little babies, so cute, so cuddly, First thing we ask on their behalf is, do you reject Satan and all his works? First thing we do to enter the church. That's what they need to ask. We also do a minor exorcism at every baptism. Think less of the movies and more of the Bible. But this is what we do. This is a firm belief. This is being rooted in God's vision. This isn't like for the, like the religious crazies in our families. But it does need some rationale because we can get Frenette a little kind of out there with it, thinking that he's all-powerful and everywhere. No, but he is an element that we have to reckon with. So this week, may I suggest that spend some time where maybe there's reoccurring negative thoughts, dynamics in your family or friends or coworkers that you've just relegated as simply bad people or people doing bad things. And maybe this week say, you know, Jesus, I'm turning to you. If you've got all power over evil, I'm asking you to do something for them. Start exercising and inviting the power of Jesus back into your life and into our world. And the second thing, if I can invite you to do anything, because each week we're trying to give you something practical to do, get your Bible out. No shame in a dusty Bible, only shame in keeping it dusty. All right, so if you've got to dust it off, dust it off. Open to the Gospel of Mark, shortest gospel. We're reading for it from the next few days, next few Sundays. Read the Gospel of Mark twice this week. Take you about 30 minutes to read it, probably. Right? Read it through twice, and just as if you never heard of it. What is this saying? If this was a little book, who's the main character? Who's his enemies? What is he trying to do? What is this story trying to convey? Let's get familiar with the Bible so that we can take the blindfold off and we become an agent of Christ to bring beauty, love, and goodness into this world. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or 
by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.